Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Welcome to the FMIA Mini Pod, my shorter podcast of the week. Uh, this is the preview podcast into the NFL Scouting Combine. I'm recording it Sunday night at my home in Brooklyn, about 11.30 p.m. We're trying to get the column up a little bit early this evening, and I'm trying to get to bed at a reasonable hour this evening. So, let me tell you a little bit of what I got in the column this week and a little bit of what this week is going to be like. I'll read you the, the very top of my column. Too much happening for the last week of February. The new look primetime scouting combine kicks off in Indianapolis. Will Joe throw? I won't be surprised if Mr. Burrow doesn't. While interview rooms are full of prime college quarterbacks and receivers, and while most NFL coaches and GMs meet the press on Tuesday, 32 NFL player reps and union officials will be in CBA study slash haggling mode. The NFL Players Association will be in Indianapolis to meet with NFL owners. There could be a 10-year deal struck, or the deal could blow up or something in between. The competition committee begins meeting in Indianapolis this week. Actually, they began meeting on Sunday evening, intent on trying to salvage the pass interference review rule that was a train wreck in 2019. I'm going to tell you how I think it can be salvaged. Tom Brady, a veteran of 20 NFL seasons, nine Super Bowls, and one month being a free man, will be hundreds or maybe thousands of miles away from Indiana. But Brady rumors will nip at the fringe of a big news week with his ability to hit the market just 23 days away. So we'll start with real football, or what passes for it in the hallways of the Indiana Convention Center and its stadium partner, Lucas Oil Stadium. Get ready for a week of stories of risers and fallers in the 2020 NFL Draft, although in reality, not many players truly rise or fall at the scouting combine. So what I'm doing in, doing in the column this week is I'm previewing the scouting combine, and I'm going to leave that right here. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk about it right here uh, on this podcast. And then I'm going to talk about my suggestion to save the pass interference rule. I've got a long section about uh, the CBA talks and what a big week this is uh, in terms of labor and for this labor agreement. I'm not going to read you that. You can go on my uh, go to my column, Football Morning in America, at NBCSports.com or at Pro Football Talk. Dot com. So 
let's just get underway talking about the uh, the scouting combine. It's a very rich draft at wide receiver, above average at corner, uh, good at running back, defensive tackle, and quarterback, and suspect almost everywhere else. I asked Daniel Jeremiah, the worthy successor to Mike Mayock, in the 28-hour NFL Network televising of the event, beginning Thursday from 4 to 11 p.m., to give me his top 10 in this draft entering the Combine, along with his early mock top 10. They're pretty different, actually. The mock. Number one, Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, quarterback, LSU. Number two, Washington, Chase Young, edge rusher, Ohio State. Number three, Detroit, Jeff Okuda, cornerback, Ohio State. Number four, New York Giants, Mecky Becton, tackle, Louisville. Number five, Miami, Tua Tagovailoa, quarterback, Alabama. Number six, the Chargers, Jedrick Wills, <coughs> tackle, Alabama. Number seven, Carolina, Derek Brown, defensive tackle, Auburn. Number eight, Arizona, Tristan Wirfs, guard, Iowa. Number nine, Jacksonville, Isaiah Simmons, safety linebacker, Clemson. Number 10, Cleveland, Andrew Thomas, tackle, Georgia. So that isn't exactly the same way that Daniel Jeremiah has his 10 top-ranked players in order. He goes one, Chase Young, two, Derek Brown, three, Joe Burrow, four, Isaiah Simmons, five, Jeff Okuda, six, Tua Tagovailoa, seven, Javon Kinlaw, eight, C.D. Lamb, nine, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy, both wide receivers, and 10, Mackie Becton, the tackle from Louisville. Then I get into some specific uh, measures at the Combine. The headlines and opinions are interesting heading into the official start of the draft season. Let's start with the Hawaiians' health. Every quarterback opinion in this draft <clears throat> is prefaced with if Tua Tagovola is healthy, as in if Tua is healthy and a surgically repaired hip checks out, he won't go below Miami at five. But that's a big if. Tagovailoa was a mar marvelous prospect, but he had two high ankle sprains and a major hip injury in his last 14 months of college football. This week gives 32 team medical staffs the chance to poke and prod and evaluate the hip and to probe whether his injuries will become professionally chronic or whether they're flukes. It's a really important week for him. If I'm picking, let's say, five, six, or seven, Jeremiah told me Saturday night, you've got the Dolphins, Chargers, Panthers. That's the quarterback alley right there. If I'm the Dolphins and I'm picking five and my doctor tells me, look, I think he needs to sit out the entire season to get 100% healthy, but in my opinion, the odds are in our favor, then you pick him. I wouldn't even care if you redshirt him. Now, the Burrow coronation. He'll speak to the press Tuesday morning and be asked whether he intends to play for the Bengals if picked first overall by Cincinnati. That's one story. The rest of his story, the Bengals and those hoping he falls to them will continue to probe his past, particularly this. One team told me if Burrow had left LSU after his mediocre 2018 season, that 
team would have given him approximately a fifth round grade. Now he's likely to go number one. That is after 15 otherworldly games in 2019. Do you realize, and I didn't realize this until I started looking at it, that Joe Burrow had 60 touchdown passes and six interceptions in 15 games in 2019. I mean, that's amazing. So I asked Jeremiah about that, and he said, look, Joe was training an hour from my house with quarterback coach Jordan Palmer. He was out there with Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, and Kyle Allen. I went up and watched him work work out and throw. Then I had a chance to visit with him. And I said, Joe, you're going to get asked this question at the Combine. Why the unbelievable leap from last year to this year? He said, first of all, he's a grad transfer. Most grad transfers transfer in the spring. He said, I got to LSU after the freshman had already reported for full camp. So you talk about trying to learn everything in a heartbeat and try to get to know your teammates and then plug in and be ready to play. That's the first part. Second part, he hadn't played much football in the previous three years. And then schematically, and this is the big thing, they were in a lot of seven-man protection in that offense last year. Burrow's greatest gift, and you can see it this year when you watch him, is he has the vision to be able to take a snapshot of the entire field, to see everything, to process, to throw accurately. Well, when you're in seven-man protection, you limit the number of guys that can get out in a route. You're limiting the answers you can give somebody. He was handicapped by them trying to mass protect him. And I went on further in the story, but the bottom line is that under new offensive assistant Joe Brady in 2019, they started with six-man protection and then five-man protection And Joe Burrow was consistently getting to pick (coughs) from his choice of four or five receivers on almost every route. As Jeremiah told me, his superpower is the ability to see the entire field. So they kind of unlocked that superpower this past year. I told Jeremiah, you've got to tell America that story on TV this week. He told me, I've only got 28 hours. Then we got into his opinion about Chase Young, the Ohio State pass rusher. He said he might be better than Nick Bosa, might be. With last year's first-round rusher Montez Sweat and quite possibly formidable veteran rusher Ryan Kerrigan in place, Washington could have one of the game's best pass rushes on day one if they take Young. As Jeremiah told me, there's some guys you just don't trade off of. I don't trade away from quarterbacks, and I don't trade away from elite edge rushers because that's how you win football games. And there's an embarrassment of wide receivers, or an embarrassment of riches at wide receiver. Last year in the draft, 12 receivers went in a 52-pick span between 25 overall and 76 overall. It's amazing how many had instant impact in year one. Marquise Brown... Uh, Terry McLaurin, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, McCole Hardman, and D.K. Metcalf. This year, amazingly, Daniel Jeremiah has given 27 receivers 
top three-round grades. And he says the best draft for receivers he has ever graded. He said, I think the class this year goes deeper than last year. I maybe had 18 or 19 players with top three, ground, top three round grades. It makes sense with the way the game's being played. These college teams are playing four and five receivers at a time. These guys are catching a million balls, and NFL offenses still are asking these guys to swallow a phone book playbook. When you look at what Debo Samuel did in the Super Bowl, you just get the ball in his hands, use him in the run game, throw to him, everything. So that's the end of a lot of what I wrote about the combine. I shortened that a bit uh, because I got a little wordy at times with the combine discussion. Go to Football Morning in America and you can read it um, in this uh, in this week's column. So I've got another section in the column about the crummy pass interference rule which seems doomed. And then I write, but I've got an idea how to save an important part of it. So here's where it stands right now. The weekend before the start of the scouting combine is usually the weekend we start hearing about new rules and rules tweaks from the league office and the eight-man competition committee. That began in Indianapolis on Sunday. Featuring discussion about the 2019 rule that turned into a weekly conflagration around the league. Offensive and defensive pass interference calls and non-calls being reviewable. After conversations with coaches, others close to the process, and one person close to officiating over the past month, I just can't see this rule surviving in its current form. And maybe not at all. What happened last year clearly was there was a different standard to overturn calls either made or not made on the field that passed 31 to 1 by club owners at the March NFL meetings. There had to be a salt and battery on a receiver three or four seconds before the ball arrived for a no flag to be turned into a flag. I jest, but not by much. The rule became a sideshow, as you all saw. And that rule was passed in 2019 on a one-year trial basis. I just do not see it getting passed in 2020. So this is my idea. Let's say owners get to the league meeting in Florida in late March, and the league sees no way to get a three-quarters vote for the rule as is. I think that's likely. The impetus for this new rule was to provide a fail-safe for plays like the one in the NFC Championship game 13 months ago, with 1.49 left in the fourth quarter of a 2020 game. New Orleans quarterback Drew Brees threw to wideout Tommy Lee Lewis inside the Rams' 10-yard line. Defensive back Nikhil Roby Coleman slammed into Lewis clearly before the ball arrived. No flag. The non-interference called forced the Saints to kick a field goal. The Rams tied it with a field goal to force overtime, and the Rams won in overtime. So I say, let's leave the fail-safe in place. Create a rule in, say, the last three to five minutes of the game to prevent a catastrophic play like the one in that title game. Allow the New York Officiating Command Center to ride herd on the last three to five minutes of every game Allow them to call for a review of calls either made on the field that look shaky or 
calls not made that look like they should have been flagged. The amount of time is malleable. If it's three, four, five minutes, that's fine. You know, I wish the rule could have worked, but I see the league's reticence to see the game slowed with challenge flags. Given that the league, and probably a majority of the owners, don't want the rule in its current state, there's still a way for an amended rule to save games from ending with a terrible call or non-call in the waning seconds. The league should strongly consider it. So, I go over uh, all that's at stake in the labor negotiations. You know, I, I know that that's a big sort of inside baseball story. I guess in this case, it would be inside football. But, you know, I, I struggled with what to do with that because I did a lot of reporting this week uh, on the CBA and what might cause it to fail and, and all that. And I just wonder how much people really care, in part because the current CBA does not expire for 14 months. So it's not like football is going to go away. So I wrote about it at some length. Uh, you can read about it in the column, but I just don't choose to, to read it because I think part of it, uh, I think it's much better to be able just to read it and to try to soak it in. Um, so, I'm going to tell you one quick King of the Road segment in the column this week. FMIA's travel correspondent, Al Michaels, reports from his weekend in Las Vegas. Michaels had a conversation with a couple of hotel executives there. A normal weekend in Vegas, they said, sees an influx of about 300,000 visitors. But on the weekend of April 23 through 26, the NFL draft will be in Vegas. As Michaels told me, they say there could be between 600,000 and 700,000 coming to the city for the draft. It could be the biggest weekend for visitors they've ever had there. Ladies and gentlemen, the power of the National Football League. Uh, ran a lot of letters this week. Uh, man, I got flooded with them after last week's column. Uh, you'll enjoy those. And uh, we'll wrap up with my adieu haiku. My CBA gut feeling, not optimistic, it gets done this week. Everybody, thanks a lot for um, listening to the FMIA mini pod this week. I'll be back on Wednesday. I'm going to have a a lengthy conversation with Daniel Jeremiah, uh, basically uh, previewing and introducing this year's scouting combine. I'll also have Jerry Judy, the fine receiver from Alabama, uh, with a conversation this week. So come back on Wednesday, and you will get your Combine Jones satisfied. Thanks a lot for listening, and have a great week, everybody.